0: Chapter thirty of Threads of Grey and Gold. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Threads of Grey and Gold by Myrtle Reed. Chapter thirty The Ideal Woman. The trend of modern thought in art and literature is toward the real. But fortunately the cherishing of the ideal has not vanished. All of us, though we may profess to be realists, are at heart idealists, for every woman in the innermost sanctuary of her thoughts cherishes an ideal man. And every man, practical and commonplace though he be, has before him in his quiet moments a living picture of grace and beauty, which consciously or not is his ideal woman every man instinctively admires a beautiful woman but when he seeks a wife he demands other qualities besides that wonderful one which is as the proverb tells us only skin deep if men were not such strangely inconsistent beings the world would lose half its charm each sex rails at the other for its inconsistency when the real truth is that nowhere exists much of that beautiful quality which is aptly termed a jewel. But humanity must learn, with Emerson, to seek other things than consistency, and to look upon the lightning play of thought and feeling as an index of mental and moral growth. For those who possess the happy faculty of making the best of things, men are really the most amusing people in existence. To hear a man dilate upon the virtues and accomplishments of the ideal woman he would make his wife is a most interesting diversion besides being a source of what may be called decorative instruction she must first of all be beautiful no man even in his wildest moments ever dreamed of marrying any but a beautiful woman yet in nine cases out of ten when he does go to the altar he is leading there one who is lovely only in his own eyes he has read swinburne and tennyson and is very sure he won't have anything but a daughter of the gods divinely tall and most divinely fair then of course there is the classic profile the deep unfathomable eyes the lily white skin and hair like the raven's wing not to mention the swan-like neck and tapering shapely fingers mr ideal is really a man of refined taste and the women who hear this impassioned outburst are supremely conscious of their own imperfections but beauty is not the only demand of this fastidious gentleman the fortunate woman whom he deigns to honour must be a paragon of sweetness and docility no woman's rights or suffrage rant for him and none of those high-stepping professional women need apply either oh no and then all of her interests must be his for of all things on earth he does despise a woman with a hobby none of these broad-minded women were ever intended for mr ideal he is very certain of that because away down in his secret heart he was sure he had found the right woman once but when he did he learned also that she was somewhat particular about the man she wanted to marry and the applicant then present did not fill the bill he is therefore very sure that a man does not want an intellectual instructor he wants a wife just like the most of them after all isn't it the year goes round and mr ideal goes away on a summer vacation there are some pleasant people in the little town to which he goes and there is a girl in the party with her mother and brother mr ideal looks her over disapprovingly she isn't pretty no, she isn't even good looking. Her hair is almost red, her eyes are a pale blue, and she wears glasses. Her nose isn't even straight, and it turns up too much besides. Her skin is covered with tiny golden brown blotches. Freckles exclaims Mr. Ideal sotto voce. Her mouth isn't bad. The lips are red and full, and her teeth are white and even. She wears a blue boating suit with an eton jacket. So common and mr ideal goes away with his secluded point of observation a merry laugh reaches his ear and he turns around the tall brother is chasing her through the bushes and she waves a letter tantalizingly at him as she goes and finally bounds over a low fence and runs across the field with her big brother in close pursuit hoydenish and mr ideal hums softly to himself and goes off to find smith smith is a good fellow and asks mr ideal to go fishing they go but they don't have a bite and come home rather cross does smith know the little red-headed girl who was on the piazza this morning yes he has met her she has been here about a week rather nice but not especially attractive you know no she isn't but he will introduce mr ideal days pass and mr ideal and miss practical are much together he finds her the jolliest girl he ever knew she is an enthusiastic advocate of woman in every available sphere she herself is going to be a trained nurse after she learns to keep house for you know that every woman should be a good housekeeper she says demurely he doesn't exactly like that trained nurse business but he admits to himself that if he were ill he should like to have miss practical smooth his pillow and take care of him and so the time goes on, and he is often the companion of the girl. At times she fairly scintillates with merriment, but she is so dignified and so womanly, so very careful to keep him at his proper distance, that, well, she is a type. In due course of time he plans to return to the city, and to the theatres and parties he used to find so pleasant. All his friends are there. No, Miss Practical is not in the city, she is right here. Like a flash a revelation comes over him and he paces the veranda angrily. Well, there's only one thing to be done. He must tell her about it. Perhaps, and he sees a flash of blue through the shrubbery, which he seeks with the air of a man who has an object in view. His circle of friends are very much surprised when he introduces Mrs. Ideal, for she is surely different from the ideal woman about whom they have heard so much they naturally think he is inconsistent. But he isn't, for some subtle alchemy has transfigured the homely little girl into the dearest, best, and altogether most beautiful woman Mr. Ideal has ever seen. She is domestic in her taste now, and has abandoned the professional nurse idea. She knows a great deal about Greek and Latin, and still more about Shakespeare, and Browning, and other authors. But she neglects neither her books nor her housekeeping, and her husband spends his evenings at home not because Mrs. Ideal would cry and make a fuss if he didn't, but because his heart is in her keeping, and because his own fireside, with its sweet-faced guardian angel, is to him the most beautiful place on earth, and he has sense enough to appreciate what a noble wife is to him. The plain truth is, when any whatsoever Mr. Ideal loves a woman he immediately finds her perfect and transfers to her the attributes which only exist in his imagination his heart and happiness are there not with the creatures of his dreams but the warm living loving human being beside him and to him henceforth the ideal is the real for the ideal woman is as gentle as she is strong she wins her way among her friends and fellow human beings even though they may be strangers, by doing many a kindness which the most of us are too apt to overlook or ignore. No heights of thought or feeling are beyond her eager reach, and no human creature has sunk too low for her sympathy and her helping hand. Even the forlorn and friendless dog in the alley looks instinctively into her face for help. She is in every man's thoughts, and always will be as she always has been the ideal who shall lead him step by step and star by star to the heights which he cannot reach alone ruskin says no man ever lived a right life who has not been chastened by a woman's love strengthened by her courage and guided by her discretion the steady flow of the twentieth century progress has not swept away a woman's influence nor has it crushed out her womanliness she lives in the hearts of men a queen as royal as in the days of chivalry and men shall do and dare for her dear sake as long as time shall last the sweet lovable loyal woman of the past is not lost she is only intensified in the brave wifehood and motherhood of our own times the modern ideal like that of olden times is and ever will be above all things womanly End of chapter 30